And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Gobble, gobble, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving week. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's a Thanksgiving detective adventure with Casey Crime, photographer from 1947. Then it's part one of a Thanksgiving episode of the Abbott and Costello Show with special guest Jane Wyman from 1943. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What is up, Carl? Hey, what's happening in Hollywood? Hey, well, Taylor Swift is up in Hollywood. Her sixth album I was just her. released. Would you? Yeah. I'm you surprised. Kidding? She's tall, but, you know. But she's hey, she's I, quite wealthy. That's why they make lifts for shoes. That's right. So you could date Taylor Swift. So yeah. her last. I'd six wear my lifts to date Taylor Swift's. Oh, that's almost right. That, that's it's a about good one letter off. How tall is she? Do you know? She's tall. Okay. She's a tall well, drink of water. Well, to you. Yeah. You know. Well. Um. So her sixth album was just released this week. It is called. I don't know. It's something that's very important to have a good day. Reputation. Oh, okay. Reputation. That's very close, though. <laughs> so the first day of sales in the U.S. was over $717,000 one day. Uh-huh. And the prediction for her first one-week total will be $1.5 million in the U.S. alone. Not bad. Not bad. Her yeah. previous album was called... I don't know. 1989. Right. And had sales of $1.29 million in October alone of 2014. Oh, so this, is, uh, so this should be above and beyond. Above and So reputation, some of the songs include Delicate, Gorgeous. She's describing me. Yes, and I will continue with I Did Something Bad. <laughs> oh, Again, you. Really and me. this is why we can't have nice things. Uh-huh. So it's all about you. I oh, think. wow. Um, 15, Maybe it's like a love letter to me. I think it is. Wow. It's all Taylor. about you. Taylor. My so, number is 847. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That'll be it. 15 songs in total. And apparently the idea here is she's concerned with lost, loss, and revenge. You know, she has had um, her issues uh, with relationships. Don't and we all? listen, I might be able to solve all of that. Do you for have her. any relationship issues? No. No, of course oh not. God. So um, her net worth is similar to yours. It is estimated at about $280 million. Yeah, okay. Similar to if you. If we pool both of our $280 million, that would be we'd something. have $360 million. Yeah, I did that math pretty quick. And yeah, that was really that was really good. Wait, is that right? No, that, no. no. Oh, hang on. $280 There million. we ah. go. Ah, now you're on it. Yeah. So we can Very look forward good, to uh, those songs. Can't wait reputation. to hear. Maybe we could listen to those songs together. Ooh, now that would right? be a good idea. Wow. All right, well, thanks, Lisa. Sure, Carl. Appreciate it. All right, it's time. 
for Casey, crime photographer. Casey was an amateur detective, and he was a newspaper cameraman who took crime scene photos. His keen eye for detail served him well at solving the crimes he was assigned to photograph. And while waiting for his next assignment, he killed time with his gal pal Ann Williams at the Blue Note Cafe run by Ethelbert, the bartender. This series came to radio in 1943, lasted until 1955, and it starred Stotts Cotsworth in the title role. We have a Thanksgiving episode for you now from November 27, 1947. This is called After Turkey, the Bill. Here's Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, crime photographer. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Say, Casey, do you think they'll ever put my statue in the Hall of Fame? What are you famous for, Ethelbert? For 27 straight years, I always got the same part of the turkey. <laughs> That's some kind of a record, ain't it? Well, because you consistently get it in the neck, that might make you notorious, but not really famous. Mm, no, no, Ethelbert. You know, you have to do something really big, you know, something important to deserve a famous name. Like what? Well, like Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, After Turkey, The Bill, 7 o'clock in the evening, a medium-priced uptown restaurant known as Petrakis' Olympian. At a table for two, a flashily dressed young man pushes aside his empty plate and says to the pretty girl who sits opposite... Hey, that turkey wasn't half bad. <laughs> you didn't leave much of it. Neither did you. Shall I order dessert now? Uh-huh. Hey, waiter. Gus. Okay, Keith. What do you want now, Joe? We're ready for the plum pudding now. Two plums pudding. That's what you want, too, isn't it, Lottie? Yes, and coffee. Same here. Okay, Keith. I don't know why you won't let me do anything for you in a classy way, Lottie. I asked you out for a Thanksgiving spread, and you made me bring you to a cheap place like this. Joe, you can't afford to throw your money away. How do you know what I can afford? I may not have as good a job as my cousin Bird yet, but that doesn't What's mean I... What's Bird got to do with He's it? He's got plenty to do with it. You didn't have to work today. You'd be out with him now instead of me, I know. Bird isn't working tonight, Joe. He came home before we left there. I could have had dinner with him if I'd wanted. Yeah. Oh, don't be like that, please. Why shouldn't I be? Well, I was in... While I was away, you and him became awful good friends. We were always friends, the three of us. We grew up on the same block. Yeah, but while I was away, he moved into your old man's room and house so we could be closer friends. Oh, don't start that again tonight. We're out for a pleasant evening, and it has been pleasant so far. Please, Joe. All right. Comes our dessert. Two plums of pudding. And coffee. You know, when you go out with me, Lottie, you're going to get class whether you think I can afford it or not. I'm going to take you to dance land. I'm going to buy you a whole roll of tickets. Best you'd get out of that tightwad fur as a soda in a movie. All right, that's all now, Gus. Bring me a check, will you? You said it, Joe. All right, Joe. Since you won't drop the subject, we'll talk about Bird. Swell. He wants me to marry him. I figured that from that dirty double-crosser. He isn't a double-crosser. He knows I've been going with you since we were kids and I've always been crazy about you. And while I was taking that bum rap on the reformatory... You didn't take a bum rap, Joe. You asked for what you got. All right, so the cops had the goods on me. That gave Ferd no right it to... It gave take... me a right. 
to do a lot of thinking. Mm-hmm. So you decided a sneaky yellow drip like my cousin is a better bet than me, huh? I don't think Bert is sneaky or yellow. Oh, you don't, huh? No. And I don't think you're a criminal. It's nice of you to say that. I'm not being nice. I'm saying what I believe. If you make me sure you've learned your lesson, I... Yeah? Well, you won't have to worry about me liking Bert or... or anyone. There's never really been anybody but you, Joe, only... only I've got to be sure... How do I make you sure, Lottie? Just show me and Dad that you're steady, that's all. And I've been showing you that since I came back. Didn't I get a job right away? Yes, Joe, but... But I don't see how you can afford those two new suits and that overcoat with what you're making. Oh. Oh, I get it. Bird can buy clothes or take you out, and it's okay, isn't it? He's never had trouble with the cops. But the minute I spend an extra buck, you and your old man figure I've glommed it somewhere. Oh, no. Oh, Yes. Your old man especially. Hates my insides. He don't want you to have anything to do with me. If Dad hated you, he wouldn't let you stay at our rooming house. He rents rooms and I pay for the one I rent. That's business. And to ease your mind about the extra dough I spent, Lottie, I'm a lucky guy with dice and a good pool player. I... Here's your check, kid. Thanks, Gus. Pay you so we can get out of here. We're going to dance land and we're... What? Joe? I haven't got my wallet. Oh, you've lost your money? I don't know. Maybe I left it home. Well, phone Dad. He'll look in your room. Well, if he found it, I'd have to go there for it. It's only a few blocks. You stay here, Lottie, while I go Oh, you, you don't have to leave the lady here, kid. You're an old customer. I know you come back and pay. Well, thanks, Gus, but I can make better time alone. Hand him over, Code. Even that racket's the oh, blue one sure, there. Oh, sure, sure. Mmm. Oh. He's a fancy coat. <laughs> nice and bright. With red stripes. You got a class, kid. Yeah, but right now I got no dough. I'll come back as soon as I can, Lottie. I hope you find your money. Yeah, I hope so, too. And how. Gee, Casey, it's nice of you and Miss Williams to have Thanksgiving dinner here in the Blue Note with me. Oh, we're nice people, Ethelbert. Well, the very best. True, warm-hearted, and generous to a fault. Pass the salt. Also ball. honest, kind, and steadfast. Here's the salt. And sure. pepper. You know, we're really understating our sterling qualities, Annie. We've risen to the heights of magnanimity, whatever that is, by chewing Thanksgiving turkey in this crummy joint we see every day, simply because our little pal here had to work. We could only get away from his bartending long enough to grab a meal on the house. We hope you appreciate our sacrifice, Ethelbert. Oh, I do. Good. Pardon my reach for the Tabasco. <laughs> to prove your gratitude, Ethelbert, you can pay for our dinners. Yeah, well... Tabasco, uh, Annie? Huh? Thanks. Say, you've made a splendid suggestion, Casey. Paying our bill will relieve Ethelbert of a small part of his obligation for our company. Yep. Say, come to think of it, you two are working today yourselves. You didn't have time to get a full meal any further away from your office than this crummy joint. Ethelbert, you impugn our motives. He destroys my faith in human nature, Casey. Ah, yes. The spirit of the day is entirely lost upon his lug. Casey, if you'd pay me what you already owed this crummy joint, I'd be only too happy to buy your dinner. <coughs> Get it, Walter? This yeah. guy's too wise for us, Annie. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid so, Casey. Casey. Uh, yeah, Walter? You wanted the bar phone, you said he Oh, nuts. I'm only just finished my turkey. No, this means no dessert, Casey. I'll see what Burke wants. <laughs> well, stall him off if you can. Yeah, I'll do my best, Annie. Hello, Grace. <laughs> Hello, Casey speaking. 
Uh, look, Bert, we haven't finished our dinner yet. Oh, all right, all right. Wait till I get my pencil out. Corner of Whitestone and Evans. Well, what happened there? But is that all? For a run-of-the-mill story like that, we got to leave our dessert and... Well, okay, Burke, all right, goodbye. Why I stick to this newspaper racket, I don't know. What was it, Casey? All the cri- Look, we got to get out to Whitestone and Evans, Ann. Some mug just held up a filling station there and got away with a couple of hundred bucks. Or... Did he shoot anyone? No, no. Huh? Just one of those inside page fillers. Burke says news is light and we got to cover it. All right, where is Whitestone and Evans? Way uptown, not far from uh, Petrakis Olympian Restaurant. You know, we've eaten there a couple of times. Yeah, I remember. Hi, any description of the hold-up guy? Yeah, he wore a flashy blue overcoat with red stripes. See you later, pal. So long, Ethelbert. So long. Say, wait! Who's going to pay for this... crummy joint? Here's what happened, Miss Williams. I'm working the station, see? I'm here in the office when this hold-up guy opens the door and says, Give me a dough. He had a gun, of course. Oh, sure, he had a gun. The time was about a quarter past seven. What did you notice and about he... the guy aside from his flashy overcoat? Well, uh, he wore his hat pulled down over his eyes and a, a handkerchief was tied around the lower part of his face. Also, he worked fast. What'd he do? Well, he told me to get into the gents, uh, the restroom there and to keep quiet. He locked the door on me and I, I heard him open up the money drawer there and then I heard him leave the joint. I started pounding on the door and after a while I managed to bust out. That was uh, about uh, quarter to eight. And then I phoned the cops. You might have I shoot a picture of that busted door, Sergeant? Go ahead, Casey. Thanks. You want a picture of me, too, won't you, Mr. Casey? Huh? You? Oh, sure, yeah. The door and you. I'll shoot the door first. Hmm. <sighs> it's going to give me old lady a big kick to see me written up on the papers. <laughs> hey, uh, was this big puddle of grease in front of this door, Jones, when the hold-up guy locked you in? Oh, yeah, yeah. I spilled it there earlier, and I had enough time to clean it up. And the mug must have stepped in it, Casey. Along with the description of his flashy coat I've sent out... I included instructions to look for a guy with dirty grease stains on his shoes. Well, the two things together ought to nail him, sir. Yeah, I yeah. told the sergeant something else that ought to nail a guy. Well, what's that? Well, one of the bills he stole out of the money drawer was an old 20 that had been torn in two and kind of stuck together with scotch tape. I-, I took it in just before the robbery, so I remember it. Well, looks like you cops have plenty to work on, Sarge. Yeah. Well, we got all there is, Annie. Let's blow out of here and get back to the blue note and get some... Plum pudding and coffee. Ha uh-huh, ha, come on. Hey, 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 ain't you going to take my picture first? Uh, you, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll kind of stand here by the empty cash drawer huh, and uh, point my finger at it. Yeah, that'll be original. A standard point, pal. Go ahead. Great. All set now. Shoot. Jones. Get out. Hey, hey, gosh, I'm getting my picture took. Don't walk in front of the camp. I have just heard what happened to you. About that guy in the blue overcoat which holds you up. Well, I'll tell you all about that later, Gus. So as I get my picture. No, no. I tell you and those cops about it now. You'll tell. Who are you? Oh, I, I am Gus Nicopopoulos. I am waiting in Petrakis Olympian restaurant three blocks from here. And I know who is the kid who robbed my good friend Jones. You know? Yeah, I know as soon as I am told the news about that fancy overcoat. What are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? I tell you cops everything. Even where to find this hold-up kid. He tell me he is going with his girl to dance line. You got no right to pull me off that dance floor, copper. Don't believe this waiter, Sergeant. Joe hasn't held up anybody. We're going to see about that. Close the door, will you, Casey? Okay, Sarge. Now, this overcoat we got from the check room, it's yours, isn't it, Bowers? Yeah, that's my coat. And you, Jones. 
Say the guy who stuck you up wore a coat just like it. It's the same coat, Sergeant. You're nuts. The store I bought this blanket had a couple of dozen just like it. Now, take it easy, kid. If your story's okay, we'll check on everyone who owns a coat like this. I'm going to search you. While I'm at it, you can tell us what you did after leaving Petraka's restaurant. After you couldn't find your wallet, I mean. I went straight to my room and house. I looked for my dough. Finally, I found it in a dresser drawer. And I came straight back to Petrakis for Lottie. That's Miss Newcomb here. Yeah. The dough's in that wallet you just took out of my pocket. It's about 40 bucks, and it's mine. I didn't steal it. Hey, is that torn 20 in the wallet, Sergeant? No, Jones. Torn 20? I guess he hasn't got a gun on him either, Sergeant. He's clean, Casey. Yeah, so are his shoes. Grease would show up plain on those light tans. Well, he may have changed shoes and hidden a few things. Yeah. How far is your rooming house from that filling station, kid? Oh, it's say... two blocks away down Evans Street. My father runs it. How long did Joe leave you in Petrakis' while he was finding his money? I... I didn't time it. It wasn't more than 15 minutes, maybe a half an hour. So what? So you had plenty of time to stick up Jones and go to your room before you came back to Petrakis'. All right, if that's the way you dope it, copper, search my room. I'm going to do that little thing, young fella. All of you. Let's go. <laughs> Lottie, why have you and Joe come home with all these people and these policemen? Everything's all right, Dad. They've made a mistake about Joe, but it's going to be all right. A mistake about Joe? A big mistake, Mr. Newcomb. I don't understand. I'm Sergeant Healy, 5th Detective District. There was a stick-up a few blocks from here tonight, and uh, Joe Bowers here is under suspicion. A stick-up? Joe? He didn't do it, Dad. I know he didn't. You were with him, Lottie. You must know. Your daughter wasn't with him for a long half hour. Mr. Newcomb... I haven't taken time to get a search warrant, so I'd like your permission to go over Joe's room. Give him a go-ahead. I have. He'll find nothing to tie me up with any heist, John. All right with you, sir? Oh, yes, of course. Thanks. Take me to your room, Bowers. Come on. Everybody else stay here with this uniformed officer. Miss Williams and I would like to go with you and Joe, Sarge. Okay, Casey. Thanks, Sergeant. My room's on the next floor. It's right up those stairs. Lead the way, kid. And don't try anything tricky. Why should I try anything? What you got on me is that a stick-up guy wore an overcoat like mine. And that's all you're gonna get. There's the door of my room, cop. Open it. Make yourself at home. Give me a key. The door isn't locked. I never bother. Hmm. I'll turn on the lights. Now, do your stuff. I will. You won't find anything locked up here. Because I got nothing worth stealing. And nothing to hide. Now, if you were going to work in my cousin's room across the hall, you'd need a fistful of keys. He's one of those careful, secretive guys, you know? You got a cousin living across the hall? Yeah, his name's Ferd, a Ferdinand. And is he a crumb? I take it you don't like him. I like him about as much as he likes me, maybe more. Because he's been making a play for my girl. He isn't getting anywhere. How you doing, copper? You see anything of the dough I'm supposed to have stolen or the gats you think I use in that stick-up? Not yet, kid. And you won't. I'm 100% in the clear. Oh, yeah? How did this get under your carpet? What? Casey! A torn $20 bill. Stuck together with scotch tape. I never saw that bill before. And I think Jones will identify it as the one taken from his cash drawer. Wait a minute. There's more dough under this rug, Sarge. A couple of hundred bucks at least. I spotted it, Casey. I don't know how it got there. I didn't pull that stick up. That's the comedy, Joe. This money nails this you. This is a frame-up. I tell you, it's a frame-up. Where'd frame you hide your gun? I never had a gun. I swear I didn't. Come clean, kid. Where's the gun? Wait a minute. Will you give me a break? Let me think. Let me think a minute. Yeah. Yeah, there's just one mug will pull a thing like this. And if you're right, guys, you won't let him get away with it. Question Ferd, Sergeant. Question my cousin Ferd. His room's right across the hall. Might be a good idea, Sergeant. 
Okay. Let's go over. That's the first portion of KC Crime Photographer. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Casey, crime photographer. That's the room. Yes? I, um, I'd like to talk to you a minute. This is the police. Just a second. I'm just starting to get ready for bed. I'm Detective Sergeant Healy, young man. This is Miss Williams and, uh, Mr. Casey. Hi. Hello there. What do you want? Let me close this door. Your cousin Joe here has made some accusations against you that it's my duty to investigate. Oh, he has, has he? Do you own an overcoat like Joe's here? Blue with uh, red stripes? An overcoat like that? Or have you ever worn one? I wouldn't wear a zoot blanket like that if you paid me. You say? Yes, I say. Mind if I look around your room? Why? Bert, someone wearing an overcoat like Joe's held up the Whitestone filling station tonight and... What? You know where I bought this coat, Ferd. I think you got one just like it on the QT. I think you slipped my wallet out of my pocket just before I left here with Lottie tonight, so I'd have to leave her and look for it. You were watching the restaurant when I left it. You went to that filling station. Why, you're crazy. Sergeant, you can't believe it. Maybe I don't, but I want to search your room. Oh, wait a minute. Huh? Have you got a search warrant? No. Then get out of here. Say. I know my rights. Unlike a certain relative of mine, I've got a clean record. Who are you calling a lousy You, Joe. Why, I'll knock your teeth out. I'll cut it up. Cut it, both of you. So you don't want me to search your room, hey, young fella? You heard me before, Sergeant. Hey, pal, wait a minute. You're taking the wrong attitude. You got nothing to hide. This isn't the way to show it. He's got a good reason for saying you can't search, and I'm going to prove it. Keep out of that closet, Joe. Make me if you can. I'll make you. Hold it first. Let me go. Come on, Joe. I'll get a warrant. You won't need a warrant, Sarge. Look there. What? In the back of his closet, covered with other clothes. Oh. An overcoat like yours. Just like mine. And in his pocket, there's a gun. I never saw that coat before. I never saw that gun. Well, somebody did. Come on. I'm taking you both to headquarters. I don't know how that overcoat got my closet, Sergeant. I swear I never saw it or that gun before. So you've been saying for it. Both of you get into this car. You did this to me, Joe. Sure, I got wise to your frame up, you louse. I threw it right back at you. We'll continue our discussion at the station house. Of course, you'll only hold me long enough to get my testimony. I'll be back home in an hour or so. Maybe. You and uh, Miss Williams tagging along after us, Casey? No, Sarge. Uh, I may give you a buzz later, though. We still have our Thanksgiving dinner to finish. So why don't you two get jobs that won't make you work on holidays? <laughs> why don't you? You mean like Captain Logan? <laughs> I've been thinking about it for the last 25 years. Good night. Night, Sergeant Healy. Come on, let's get into our car, Casey. And get our stuff to the I'm paper I'm going and... back to that rooming house, Annie. Why? Are you convinced that Cousin Bird framed Cousin Joe? Well, his attempt to prevent a search of his room didn't look very good. Annie, I'm just thinking. Well, Joe found that overcoat with what might be called surprising ease. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe that Joe would invite his own arrest in order to frame his cousin 
Why, one little slip. Framer, whoever he is, did make a slip, Annie. His plan didn't anticipate a grease puddle. And he had to get rid of a pair of shoes that may walk back and kick him. Well, none of the shoes in Joe's room or in Bird's had any grease stains on them. No? Sergeant Healy hasn't forgotten those missing shoes, and he'll be back pretty soon to really look for them. Well, I'm going to start looking right now. I'll ring Newcomb's bell. Sometimes I wish your snooping instincts were more restrained, Casey. I'd like a cup of coffee now and... Hi, Mr. Newcomb. Mr. Casey. Yes, may we come in? Of course, but I... We didn't go with Sergeant Healy and his prisoners. Uh, wanted to ask, how's your daughter now? She wasn't taking this thing very well when we left. Oh, she feels terrible about it. Miss Williams, perhaps a woman can talk to her better than I can. Will you try to convince her that... That everything will come out all right. Well, I'll gladly try, Mr. Newcomb. She's in our private living room. Yeah, go on in and talk to her alone, Annie. I'll stay here. All right. It, it breaks my heart to see my girl crying, Mr. Casey. She's all I have. She blames herself for what has happened. It isn't her fault that two young fools became so infatuated with her. I knew they hated each other, but I never anticipated anything like this. No. Guess not. Of course, you had some reason for coming back here, Mr. Casey. Yes, I came back to ask your permission. Yes? Uh, I want permission to ask a few personal questions between ourselves and off the record. Very well. You haven't wanted Joe for a son-in-law, have you? In my place, would you? The boy has served a reformatory sentence that, according to my observation, has failed to steady him or improve his sense of values. Mm. Bird has been Joe's opposite, I imagine. He always seems so. Lottie strikes me as a pretty sensible girl, Mr. Newcomb. Unless one of those fellows confesses he framed the other, or it can be definitely proven, she'll doubt both of them too much to marry either one of them. Yes, I think that's so. And as there'll be no confession or definite proof, things should work out exactly as you planned. As I planned? You're the guy behind this double frame-up. Oh, Mr. Casey. You didn't think I'd be back, did you? You shouldn't have changed back into those comfortable old shoes after Sergeant Healy left here. You did a lousy job of cleaning off that grease. Oh, but... You held up that filling station and framed both the boys to keep your daughter from marrying either one of them. It was very foolish, wasn't I? Yes, I think so. Shall I call Sergeant Healy? All right. You can call Sergeant Healy, Mr. Casey. I'm... Ready to confess? Uh, wait a minute. Wait. Let me take a close look at those shoes. What? The pool of grease in that filling station you heard us talk about wasn't deep enough to reach far above the soles of a shoe. Hey. You greased those shoes yourself. You spread it on so thick it covers the toes and heels. I didn't spread it on. Pal, you're a beautiful liar. And I'm a beautiful dope. You greased those shoes and put them on, knowing the cops had come back and spot them. You were willing to take the rap. Because your kid is in love with one of those punks. You can't prove that. Nobody can. And when I confess, that's all that's needed. You forget. The police lab will compare the grease on these shoes with a filling station grease, and it won't be the same. And then Sergeant Healy will go right back to work on Joe and Ferd. The police laboratory can tell? Yes, definitely, Mr. Newcomb. But if it couldn't, don't you think your confession would be much harder for your daughter to take than the loss of a little rat she thinks she cares for? And I... I couldn't bear to see her cry anymore. 
All I could think of to do was what I tried. You see, I know the guilty boy, Mr. Casey, and she's loved Joe ever since they were children. No, Joe. I found his grease-stained shoes hidden in a cellar tonight. His taste in shoes is like his taste in overcoats, so I could make no mistake. Huh. Well, let's get him. Take him to the cops. Later, Mr. Newcomb. Your daughter's going to realize that the lowdown she'll get on Joe tonight is a cause for real Thanksgiving. So, the shoes fit Joe and he had to wear them, huh, Casey? Mm. They pinched so tight he cracked wide open, Ethelbert. He admitted planting a duplicate of his coat in Ferd's closet, everything. If his scheme had worked, Lottie would never have spoke to Ferd again and she'd have married Joe. Well, that was Joe's idea, Ethelbert, but it worked out in reverse. Lottie sank into Ferd's manly arms when she heard the lowdown and she seemed very comfortable. Gee, what some guys will do for love. As my sister Edna says, quote, if love didn't make the world go round, there wouldn't be so much dizziness. Unquote. Or so much niceness. Yeah. A grand guy. Lottie's old man. Hmm. Hey, Annie, what's the matter with us? We got plum pudding and coffee still coming to us. How about it, Ethelbert, huh? Oh, it's about time. <laughs> well, what's so funny? <laughs> there isn't any more. <laughs> Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Caps and Closures. All products of Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. Crime Photographer is directed by John Dietz. The original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Jan Minor as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. This is CBS for Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Casey, crime photographer from November 27, 1947. Good Thanksgiving show called After Turkey the Bill, starring Stotts Cotsworth with Jan Miner and John Gibson, sponsored by Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass, as heard on CBS. Well, before we tune in to a Thanksgiving episode of Abbott and Costello, I want to tell our listeners about something new that we're doing here on Hollywood 360. Each and every month, we are going to take two of our classic radio collections and discount them by 50% each at ClassicRadioStore.com. Now, these classic radio collections can be digitally downloaded to any listening device and be enjoyed anytime, anywhere. Now, during the month of November, you can digitally download the complete story of The Cinnamon Bear, a holiday classic. The Cinnamon Bear is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Also on sale during November, 
at 50% off is Suspense Volume 1. 12 half-hour episodes from the best mystery series of the golden age of radio. This collection includes performances by Bela Lugosi, Orson Welles, Mary Astor, Paul Lucas, and many others. Suspense Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. And remember... All of the Classic Radio shows available at ClassicRadioStore.com are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered for superior sound quality. Visit ClassicRadioStore.com today. Digitally download the Cinnamon Bear and Suspense Volume 1 at half price. In December, these two collections will go back to full price, so don't miss them while they're on sale during November. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. All right, it's time now for the Abbott and Costello Show. This is from November 25th, 1943. It's a Thanksgiving show starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Their special guest is Jane Wyman, and you'll hear Mel Blank as Bugs Bunny on this episode. Let's go back, tune it in, part one of the Abbott and Costello Show. The Abbott and Costello Program. Listen to the famous Leon Schlesinger cartoon character Bugs Bunny. Tonight's guest, Warner Brothers' lovely star of Princess O'Rourke, Miss Jane Wyman, and starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Costello, where have you been? Listen, you know, this is Thanksgiving, and we've got to plan our holiday dinner. Oh, yeah. Hey, I went to a Thanksgiving dance for the soldiers at the Hollywood Canteen. You did? Boy, I had some experience in the conga line. Why should the conga line make you late? I must have gotten the wrong line. I never got to dance. (laughs) But I washed my hands three times. (laughs) Boy, oh, boy, was that kitchen crowded. Uh, Just a second. That's a cover-up. Just a minute. Did you get that... Come here, Lou. Did you get that black guy over at the canteen? Yeah, while Henny Lamar was serving some Marines, I thought I'd go over and steal a kiss. And just then, the lights went out. What's that got to do with the black eye? Did you ever try to kiss a top sergeant? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> Look, <laughs> never mind that, Lou. I came over here to uh, your house to talk about Thanksgiving dinner. Now, oh, get... good, Abbott. Yeah, well, how about having Thanksgiving dinner with me? See, that's fine. What oh, time? Eight o'clock at your house. No, 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 no. <laughs> You'll get no turkey at my house. Okay, make it duck. Uh, duck? Yeah, duck. You know, that's chickens with uh, snowshoes on. Oh, no. Look, <laughs> Costello, let's face facts. Now, I couldn't invite a person like you to my house. I'm used to eating with a snooty set. I don't blame you. You're, you're what? I'm used to eating with the snooty set. Snooty set? That's right. So now I ain't good enough to eat with pigs. No, no, no. no. I'll have you know that my house, I have a very fine cuisine. You what? I have a very fine cuisine. Are you reading this right? Yeah, that's right. You have a very fine cuisine. You heard me. You heard me. Too high class for you. I so think. what? So, You've got a very fine cuisine. So what about so what? At my house, I have a very fine brother. Brother? Oh, no, I don't... You don't understand. Why, I couldn't even ask my butler to serve you a dinner. Serve me for dinner? No. What kind of people come to your house? Cannibal? No, 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 no. No? Dracula? Quiet. Frankenstein? Shut up. What is this? Eat the people? Oh, come on. 
Let's talk sense. I take it back. Look, dinner at my house is a very classy affair. Look. I even have a silver tray to brush the crumbs on. Crumbs? Yes, certainly. Don't you have crumbs at your table? Sure, Abbott. You're welcome anytime. I listen. You <laughs> forget about my house. I'm having turkey dinner right here at your house. Now, um, uh, we're going to cook that turkey you've been raising in the backyard. Abbott, are you suggesting that I cook my turkey? Why not? My little Ingrid? Why not? Never. Well, never. Why not? Abbott, I raised that turkey from an egg. Oh, so what? I sat on that egg and hatched it. No, no. <laughs> I even laid that egg. No, 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 no. Don't be ridiculous. I'm, I'm a father. Now, wait a minute, Lou. I know better. A man can't lay an egg. Us men ain't doing bad here, are we? <laughs> Just never mind. Now, listen to me. Come in. Come in, come in. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, Abbott, it's Mr. and Mrs. Niles. Yes, I see. Yes, you little blimp. I'll bet you're surprised to see me. Well, since they lifted the dim out, a guy can see anything. Uh, How do you do? Now, just a minute, Costello. Please don't make fun of my wife's appearance. She's beautiful from the top of her head to the tip of her toes. She sure messed up that stuff in between. (laughs) Janet! Kenneth, are you going to stand for that? Now, see here, Costello, you're making an ugly woman out of my wife. Well, she's good material to work with. <laughs> Costello, that's not true. Oh, no? No. When she sucks a lemon, the lemon makes a face. No. <laughs> Boy, am I insulting you! Yes, yes, yes. I'll say you are. How can you talk this way? Remember, Mrs. Niles is every inch a woman. Ladies and gentlemen, the statement you have just heard is a paid political announcement and does not constitute... <laughs> The opinion of Lou Costello. Stop. Now, now look, look. Continue. Look, look, will you stop those? Paid wire. Costello. Go ahead. These people are guests in your house. I invited them here for your Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, Yes, Kenneth. And I... Excuse me, your line. (laughs) Well, Mr. Costello, Kenneth and I came here to eat your turkey. Oh, no, you don't. You ain't sinking your teeth in my Ingrid. What a love. That turkey is my pet. Why, you... You overstuffed ingrate. You had turkey at our house last year. Turkey? That was a pigeon. It was a turkey. Pigeon. Turkey! It's the first turkey I ever saw with a message tied to its leg. Uh, will you and quit? the turkey was so old, the message was to gush you. All right, I love it. Quit arguing, please, Costello. Listen to me. Now, stop this arguing all the time. Okay. We're going out in the backyard and get your turkey. Come on. No, no. Abbott, not that. What are you going to do with that knife? Oh, I'm going to cut the turkey's gullet. Gullet? Yes, gullet. You know, turkey's neck. I know they neck. And I want Ingrid to live to do some necking. All right, never mind that. <laughs> hey. Hey, Abbott. What? Here comes Ingrid now. She recognizes me. See, Mrs. Niles? She talks to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Lou... What did Ingrid say? She says I'm her Gary Cooper. Ah, here. Come on, take the axe and grab her by the neck. Grab her by the neck? Yes. Okay. Okay. Come here, you. Oh, Mr. Costello, what are you trying to do to me? Pilot to navigator. Pilot to navigator. Sighted target. Target move. Get out of here. Come on. That's the first portion of the Abbott and Costello show. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Abbott and Costello show. Then it's a Thanksgiving episode of The Great Gildersleeve. That's next time. We'll see you then.